Thanks, Joy. I'd invite you to grab a seat, sit back and relax. And as, uh, as Lockie's wheeling this out, yeah, as, as Lockie said a little bit earlier, this is a, this is a one-off message. And, uh, and so if we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name's Chris. I'm one of the communicators here at Beyond. And we're super excited that you're here for this one-off message. Next week, we return to our regularly scheduled programming um, with a series we're launching at the PM, just for the PM, uh, called Overcoming Overwhelm. So uh, come along uh, to that. That's going to be uh, three weeks. It's going to be a whole heap of fun as we talk about how we navigate and overcome um, overwhelm and stress within our lives. But tonight, um, we're looking at and we're um, looking forward to a brand new season that's about to come, and it's called season three. And if you have no idea what a season is, because you just walked in and you're like, what? It's a footy season? Like, I know the AFL grand final was yesterday. Like, sorry if you're a GWS fan. Like, I don't even support AFL, but I'm kind of embarrassed for you. Um, that was like absolutely terrible. Um, and if you're a Richmond fan, kudos. Like everyone wants to kind of go to a granny and win by nearly 100 points. Um, so well done to you. Um, but we're kind of talking about this next season because the way we structure things here at Beyond is we kind of um, run in four-month blocks. So for, for three months, um, we'll kind of have what we call a season, which is when we'll have all of, all of the things that we run. So we'll have a go beyond during that season, which is where we jump into the community and help people. We'll have our Hello Sundays with the food trucks outside. We'll have our Easter events in there. We'll have our Christmas events that are coming up in there. We'll have our Be Rich. If you've been here uh, for Be Rich, we'll have our Be Riches during that time. Um, we'll have a whole heap of stuff during that season. And then for the month, we'll just do services and connect. And the reason that we do that is uh, twofold. One, because life has rhythms, right? There are busy seasons where you kind of got to go, 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 and you've got to get some work done. But there are also times where you just need to pause and you need to break. You need a little bit of rest. And so as a, as a um, community, we want to uh, model and set those rhythms that, hey, there's a time to work, but there's also a time to rest. So that's one of the reasons that we do it. The other reason that we do it is because in this off-season, this season of rest, it gives us an opportunity to review gives us an opportunity to reflect, see what we could um, be doing better, where we can make it better, and how we can reach more people um, with the hope that we believe is found in Jesus. And so if you weren't here for season two, season two ran from June to August, and season three kicks off next Sunday, runs all the way through till the end of, um, end of the year uh, in December with our um, whole heap of Christmas stuff. But for season two, we had a big goal. Um, this was our goal for season two. We just said, hey, we want to be for our community. That's what we want. We want people who don't know Jesus, who maybe have no um, inclination of being for the church or even coming to church. We just want them to know that regardless of whether they are for us, that we're for them. Because Jesus is for people regardless of whether they're for him or not. And so we set a couple of objectives along with that. We, uh, we wanted to partner with Griffin State School. That's the, the school campus that we meet on and they do a whole lot of awesome stuff. We wanted to increase um, Go Beyond, which is a, a, a day where... Uh, one Saturday where we jump out into people's backyards with their permission, of course, and um, we have a cooking team that cook a whole heap of meals, and uh, so that's just a way to love in our community. And then the third, third, final way is we wanted every um, connect group environment, we wanted our junior youth, our senior youth, and our beyond kids to serve the community in one way. And so um, before we jump into season three, this is how we went this season. Um, we'll start at the bottom because that's easiest. Um, every environment served the community in one way. We had a 50%. 50%, that's like, ah, eh, like, it's okay, but we've got some work to do. So 50% of our connect group served the community in one way. So if you're in part of that 50%, you killed it. Uh, if you're part of the other 50%, we've got some work to do on being for our community. Um, but it gets better. It gets better. With Griffin State School, we were actually able to partner with them at their under-8s day, at their sports carnival day, and at their Father's Day barbecue. 
And uh, we were, it, it's really, really simple the way we partnered with Griffin State School. We sent teams in to allow parents to enjoy that day with their, with their students. Now, I know that kind of sounds like bizarre, but we, what we decided to do is we were like, hey, at, the, at, Chris, at um, sports carnivals, everyone's parents are always manning the sausage chisel. At under eight day, parents are always selling coffees. At Father's Day breakfast, it's always people who are cooking the food and it's always parents for other parents. And so we decided, hey, we, we want to be for families. We want to show Griffin that we actually want um, parents invested in the lives of their children. We want strong, healthy families in this community. So for us, we spent, sent teams in um, to uh, prepare lunches on sports carnival. I think our team like, who were in there, like something over like 300 lunches they prepared, cooked the sausage sizzle, um, sold coffees at the under eight day. And so we were able to um, partner with Griffin and let them know that we are for them. And then this final one, um, increase go beyond. Uh, this was the biggest go beyond that we've ever had in the four years uh, that Beyond's uh, been around. We had over 30 leaders rock up on a Saturday morning to jump out into nine families' backyards. We had an entire cooking team that I think prepped around 30 meals that went out to a whole heap of families in the area that needed it. Um, and there's one, there's one story in particular that I wanted to share with you about this go beyond. Uh, because I actually wasn't, um, I wasn't in the country when we um, did go beyond. I was overseas with my wife on holiday. Um, but our team like, sent me these photos. And they're like, Chris, you need to, you need to hear this story. And um, it's a story of, of a young family. And one of the homes that we had the, the privilege to jump into their backyard had two children um, under the age of 12. Uh, one of them had autism. And the other little girl hadn't been home since February. And the reason that she hadn't been home since February is because she was battling cancer in the hospital. And in the last week before we got there, uh, the, the, the doctors had, had to break the news to her parents that she had stage four cancer and there was pretty much nothing else that they could do for her. And she was arriving home the very next day. And, uh, and really uh, what, what it was going to look like is that uh, she was just going to be around friends and family to be as comfortable as possible until the cancer did what cancer does so often. And so our team went into a, a yard that was like this. It'll come up on the screen, actually. I wanted you to see. Because uh, when you've got, a, um, got uh, one child with autism and one child who's battling cancer, uh, the backyard is not a big priority. Um, but when they found out that their daughter um, was going to come home, they're like, well, she loves the pool, they, she loves being outside. And so we sent a team in, and over the course of the morning, uh, they transformed that backyard. And so um, that little girl was able to come home that next day. Yeah, that's where the, that's where the clap. And that, that's just one of the stories. That's just one of the ways that we were able to show people who maybe will never, ever come into uh, and spend time with us that we're actually for them. And so what, what I want to say and what I want to let you know is if, if you're a part of any of the stuff that we did this past season, if you invested in any way, if you lead in any way beyond, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for going beyond. I want to say thank you for showing people in the community that regardless of what they think about us, that we are for them and that Jesus is for them. Because of you, people who maybe have never met a Christian before, got the chance to know that there is a God out there who is for them. And, uh, and if you're brand new here with us tonight, I, I want you to know that uh, you're surrounded by some of the most generous, caring, selfless people that you will ever meet. 
And regardless of what you think about uh, us and, and uh, church and faith in general, uh, that we are so for you because Jesus is for you. So as we move into this next season, um, the conversation we, we're having tonight is, is all around this idea of barriers. And, uh, and the reason we call it barriers is, is pretty simple um, because there are barriers that exist between people and following Jesus. I don't need to tell you that because uh, you've probably experienced some of these barriers. Maybe for you, some of these barriers are relational. You know, you, you maybe um, encountered a follower of Jesus um, and you didn't really like the way that they treated you or maybe you went to church growing up or you went to a Christian school and someone who claimed to be a Christian said something or did something or, or treated you in a way that you were like, just people don't treat people that way regardless of whether you're a Christian or not. And so you sort of thought, well, I don't, I don't want to be part of that group. I don't want to be associated with that group. So you, for, you kind of made up, a, there's a relational barrier that stands there for you. Maybe for others of you, you kind of grew up and you got curious and you had questions about Christianity. And, and every time you wanted to ask a, 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 a question, a fact, you got a faith-based answer to your fact-based question. And so for you, you started to kind of build a barrier and you said, well, well, maybe this whole Jesus thing, maybe this whole Christianity thing, maybe there's not a whole lot of facts behind it. And so there was an intellectual barrier that was built up. Maybe for some of you, you kind of like saw, uh, you've just been looking at the news, right? And you've seen some of the terrible acts that have been committed by people in power in churches. You've seen some of the ways that uh, Christians have marginalized and pushed members of, um, like, of gay and lesbian communities to the side. And you've just looked at it and you've just thought to yourself, like, no, nah, I don't want to be a part of that. Like, that's, that's not, like, that's, like, if that's what Christianity is about, is that what, if that's what following Jesus is about, I don't want to be a part of that. And so maybe for you, one of the barriers that you have is, is more emotional because you don't want to be associated with people who would treat other people that way. And, and there are a whole heap of barriers that could stand and do stand between other people and meeting Jesus. And tonight what I want to do is I want to focus on one particular barrier. Because I think it's a barrier that if we can kind of get it right, it will take care of a lot of other barriers. And so kind of moving forward from this point on, I want to let you know that if you're not a follower of Jesus in this room, uh, this message is not for you. Right? This message is just for those people in the room who would say, yep, I'm a follower of Jesus. If you are not a follower of Jesus, this is kind of your like, free pass. You can sit back, relax. Like, you can kind of, it's almost like you're listening in on like, a church like, business meeting or a church conversation or kind of like the church talking about, hey, here's how we want more people to know Jesus. All right? So you can kind of just uh, be our guest tonight. But the big barrier that I want to show you is actually discovered in a whole huge body of research. Every couple of years... There's this uh, research organization that do this big survey. It's called the National Church Life Survey, right? NCLS for short. And they interview thousands and thousands of churches across the country. Big churches, small churches, traditional churches, um, modern churches, churches in urban settings, churches in regional settings, uh, churches that are uh, really young, churches that are maybe a little bit older. And they get all this research from thousands and thousands of churches, from thousands and thousands of people, and they compile it together. And they asked followers of Jesus one question in this survey. Well, they asked them a lot of questions, but there's one question I want to camp out on tonight. And the one question they asked them is they said, hey, tell us the reason that the church exists. Tell us the number one reason why the church exists. And I want to show you, because they, they, what they did is they took everyone's responses and then they ranked them in the ones that got the most votes down to the ones that got the least votes. And I just want to show you the top five. Top five is here. 
the number one reason that Christians, Christians said the church exists, is this, to give meaning and direction to life. Right? It's not a bad response. This is number two, or rank number two. Provide opportunities for worship. So, do stuff like this. Okay, that, that's, the, that's the sole reason the church exists, to do stuff like this. This was their third uh, response. Challenge injustice in society. Right, if you're a follower of Jesus, you should be getting uncomfortable because there should be something that's up there that's not yet. Uh, number four, this blew my mind, provide schools. Okay, this was like, there, were, there was enough Christians that said the number one reason the churches exist is to provide schools that it got ranked number four on the list. Number five is what really kind of scares me, the fact that what is, it is ranked at number five. This is number five. Convert people to the faith. Now, we wouldn't use that word here at Beyond, right? That's just, this is just exactly what the wording that they used in the survey. We would say, extend an invitation to follow Jesus. Lead people to know Jesus. Allow people to meet Jesus. But when Christians got asked, what's the number one reason the church exists? They said, oh, yeah, number five, I guess, is to show people Jesus. Yeah. And, and what that says to me is the church is a barrier for people meeting Jesus. And when I say the church, I don't mean like a building. Because Jesus, when he talked about the church, he never spoke about the church in terms of a building. He always talked about it in terms of the people. And what that, this data says to me is that people, the people who make up the church, are a barrier for people meeting Jesus. And the reason why is because we don't prioritize people meeting Jesus. And that might sound really harsh. But based on the data, that's the truth. That there's a whole bunch of Jesus followers in churches all across this country who go, you know what, we don't, we don't really care if people meet Jesus or not. We're kind of good. We got our lives sorted. We got enough Jesus for ourselves. Everyone else, mm, like, if they meet him, it'd be nice. But I mean, it's not that big of a deal. And if I could take a little bit of a risk and sum up the state of the nation of the church in Australia in one sentence, which is always dangerous, based solely on this one snapshot of data, this is how I would sum up the state of the, the church across Australia. That good things are crowding out the most important thing. Right? Because when you look at those five things, right, no one, no one looks at that and goes, oh, schools are bad. Challenging injustices are bad. Like getting together and providing experiences like this, they're bad. No, I'm not saying that they're bad. In fact, a lot of those things are really good things. But over time, what has happened is good things have crowded out the most important thing, which is Jesus. And what's super interesting is that this is not the first time in the history of the church that this has happened. Right? It, it might surprise you, but only a few years after Jesus, um, Jesus uh, rose from the grave and then uh, ascended into heaven... Only a few years after that, people were still around who had eaten with Jesus, spoken with Jesus, talked with Jesus. They were still living and breathing and they let some good things crowd out the most important things. The church had exploded from a, couple of, uh, from a, a group of, kind of 50, 60 people to thousands and it kind of grew over a number of years and then the church kind of was like, hey, we're good. Like, we're good. We did it, right? And good things started crowding out the most important thing. And when that happened, while, uh, while the church was busy allowing good things to crowd out the most important thing, there was a guy called Paul. And Paul's such a fascinating 
person in history because Paul was a Christian killer until he actually had an encounter with Jesus and he became a pastor. And then this pastor Paul, he's, he's so unique because he had the, um, the intellectual equivalent of two PhDs, but at the same time he was a tradie. He was a tent maker. So Paul kind of had this like unique bent on the world because you know some people who are super, super bright kind of just get locked up in their academic world and it's kind of like they think about things that are disconnected from the world and it's hard to have a normal conversation with them. Paul was not that way. Paul was super bright but he was also a tradie and he also wanted to take um, what he knew and connect it to the world. And so when Paul went from this life of killing Christians to becoming one and starting churches, he started them all around the Mediterranean Rim. And he started them with one specific group of people in mind that he wanted to reach. Unchurched people. He wanted to reach people who had had bad experiences in church. He wanted to reach people who didn't know Jesus. He didn't want people coming from other churches to his church. He wanted people to meet Jesus for the very first time. That's what he was laser focused on. If you had a bad experience on, with something on the news or you kind of had a, left a sour taste in your mouth because of what something, someone said or did who was a follower of Jesus, Paul was planting churches with these people in mind. And word got out. And word started to filter and started to trickle. And soon, um, all these church people... Now, one of the things you need to kind of know for where we're going tonight is that Judaism, this, this, uh, the religion Judaism, is what gave birth to Christianity. So Jesus was a Jew, Paul himself was a Jew, Jesus' followers were a Jew, and uh, Judaism is the chrysalis that birthed Christianity. And so when Christianity came onto the scene, there were Jews who believed in Jesus, and so they kind of became these Jewish Christians. And the rest of the world, to the Jews, they were just called Gentiles. If you weren't a Jew, so like I'm, I'm a Gentile, I'm guessing most of you in this room would still be considered Gentiles, unless you are Jewish, in which case, hi, um, we're glad you're here. Um, and so the, the Jews were kind of like these Jewish Christians and the rest of the world was kind of Gentiles. And so you kind of need to know that the Jewish Christians were kind of like the traditional church people. They grew up in church, they knew all the rules, they knew what you were supposed to say, when you were supposed to stand up, when you were supposed to sit down. They had highlights all throughout their Bible, right? Like these were the people who knew it all. And the Gentiles, these were the people who were kind of unchurched. They didn't like know the social cues, they didn't necessarily know all the worship music, like they had a whole lot of questions, they had a whole lot of doubts, some of them were confused by situations and so Paul, um, Paul writes, uh, starts this church and he starts this church in a particular city called Antioch and he does it with one of his mates, Barnabas. So Paul and Barnabas start this church in Antioch and like we said, um, some church people, some Jewish Christians found out about it. And they decided, like some church people tend to do today, I've got to set them straight. And so they rocked up on the doorstep of Paul and Barnabas' church, and we're going to jump into the story right there. Because what happens in this conversation leads to an incredibly powerful moment that we are going to hinge season three on. And this is what it says. Some men, so these Jewish Christians, came down from Judea, and they began teaching the brothers. In other words, they were like, look, Paul, Barnabas, sit on the side for a little bit. Like, the real, the real church people are here. We're going to teach. And this is what they began to teach. Unless you are circumcised in accordance with the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Ladies, you got a free pass on this one, okay? You could be saved, right? You were good. Fellas, we had to have some surgery if we wanted to be saved. 
Essentially what these guys came in and said, look, I know Paul and Barnabas have been telling you that like Jesus died on the cross, Jesus loves you, um, all you have to do is place your faith in Jesus. Well, he's kind of wrong because you've got to have surgery first and if you don't have the surgery, you cannot be saved. Paul and Barnabas disagreed greatly and debated with them. Now, for those of you who don't know Paul, okay, there are parts in the New Testament of the Bible where Paul swears in some of his writings. Like, Paul went ballistic. This wasn't just a very nice, excuse me, sir, I've got, a, I've got a disagreement. No, Paul and Barnabas went absolutely ballistic. They went wild because they realized what was at stake. It would not surprise me if it got so heated that, like, uh, that uh, it nearly came to blows. Because we find out that this kind of debate caused so much tension that it was determined that Paul and Barnabas and some of the others from the group would go up to Jerusalem, which was kind of the central hub of the church at that point in time, to the apostles and the elders and confer with them concerning this issue. This became such a big deal that the church essentially called a crisis meeting and said, we've got to deal with this. We've got to do something about this. And so it went on. It says, when they arrived in Jerusalem, so Paul, Barnabas and their crew, they rock up into Jerusalem, they were received warmly by the church and the apostles and the elders. And it goes on. And they reported to them all the things God had accomplished through them. So they started telling them, hey, like, people are coming to meet Jesus. People are joining connect groups. People are getting baptized. Right? People, um, people are coming um, to pray. People are starting to understand and see Jesus in a way that they never had before. But some from the sect of the Pharisees, which is kind of like these Jewish Christians, who had believed in Jesus and the Messiah, stood up and said, now keep in mind, this group of people have just heard all the great stuff that is happening in these churches Paul and Barnabas are starting. All the, great, all the stories of people who are coming to faith. All the stories about how lives are being changed. And this is what they've got to say when they hear that. It is necessary. You have to. You must. There's, there's no option about it to circumcise the Gentile converts and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Even after hearing that, they're like, no, nope, sorry. No, they're only kind of partially saved. They're only kind of half in. They're not fully Christians yet. And what happened was the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. They took it away and they thought about it. And then they came back and they had this big discussion. There would have been hundreds of people there and this is what happens. After a long debate, Peter. Peter's this guy that Jesus left in charge of the movement. When Jesus rose up into heaven again, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Peter, you're my boy. You're the guy who's going to lead this movement forward. Okay, you're in charge now, Peter. And so Peter kind of, he got up and he said to them, so he's in charge and this is what he says. Brothers, you know that in the early days, God made a choice. Okay, we didn't make a choice. You didn't make a choice. God made a choice. And the choice uh, he made among you was that by my mouth, the Gentiles, the unchurched people, the people who don't know all the rules, they would hear the message of the gospel and believe. In other words, what he's saying is, long before you rocked up with your rules, God had already made a decision that people who were far from him, he wanted to know. The people who didn't understand Judaism, he wanted to know them. The people who didn't feel comfortable in church, he wanted to know them. And then he continues. He says, And God, who knows and understands the heart, testified to them, giving them the Holy Spirit, and this is important, just as he also did us. 
They're no different from you and I. And he goes on. And he said, And he made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith in Jesus. Now, I want to just highlight this word here, distinction. Because don't we as Christians, like, don't we subtly like to make distinctions about things? You know, like, how many highlights have you got in your Bible? How many verses have you got memorized? I have different highlights for different reasons, okay? One's, one's, uh, yellow, one's yellow, one's pink, one's blue, and they're all the different moods that I was in when I was highlighting my Bible, so I would know exactly what was going on. Maybe for some of you, you make the distinction, you're like, well, I've got a title, okay, I serve in the church, and, and I've got a special leadership position, all right? So, so that makes me a little bit more spiritual than you. Or, or maybe for some of you, like, I'm at Bible college, okay, I'm studying, I'm doing a Cert 4, I'm doing a Cert 3, I'm doing an online course, and so now I'm learning from people all over the world. And, and so now I'm a little bit better than other people. And then someone kind of comes new to the faith and they've got questions and they're not sure. And you kind of like, you don't say it out loud, but you kind of think like, I'm a little bit, yeah, I've got my act together. You still got some catching up to do. And what's so interesting is Peter says that God makes no distinction. When God looks at his followers, he makes no distinction between someone who's just come to faith right now and someone who's maybe been strapped with a microphone to their face uh, and talking to people about Jesus for 30 years. When God looks at his followers, he doesn't make a distinction because all he sees is his family. And then Peter reminded them of the very reason that Jesus came. He said, we believe that we are saved, that we make ourselves right with God through the precious, undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus, which makes us free of the guilt of sin and grants us eternal life in just the same way as they are. In other words, he's saying stop making it difficult for them because they're saved by grace. Just as you're saved by grace, just as I'm saved by grace, we're all saved by grace. And then... Peter invites Paul and Barnabas up again. He goes, guys, you should, you should come up and you should share some more stories now that I've kind of cleared the air. You should share some more stuff about how these unchurched people are coming to faith. And Paul and Barnabas get up and they share. And, I, and I, I, this isn't written like in, in um, Acts, but I could just imagine that as Paul and Barnabas are sharing, like the Pharisees are kind of on the edge of their seat and they're just waiting for them to finish. Like, when is he, when is he done? Like, I've got, I've got a comment, I've got something to say. And they're like, they just want to jump up and say, look, we just need to clarify our position. There's still some stuff. And Paul and Barnabas go to sit down, and I imagine, just as the Pharisees are about to jump out of their chair to interject, a hush falls over all the people that are there. Because slowly rising to his feet is James, the brother of Jesus. James, the brother of Jesus, who didn't believe in Jesus when he was alive. Because let's be honest, who would if your brother said he's God? But James, who after he saw his brother risen from the grave, put his faith and his hope and his eternity in the hands of his brother, stands up and this is what he says. He says, therefore, it is my judgment that we should not, uh, uh, judgment that we do not trouble and make it difficult for those who are turning to God among the Gentiles by putting obstacles in their why? Because you want to know what I think about it? It should be as easy as possible for people to meet Jesus. 
It should be as easy as possible for someone to be able to move through life and, and, and explore and understand who Jesus is. And James says, and this shouldn't be a hard thing to grasp because that's what grace is. Grace makes it as easy as possible and if we're the local church, it should be as easy as possible for people to meet Jesus. And maybe this is the first time you've ever heard us teach on this particular passage. Maybe this is the first time you've kind of heard these words spoken in Beyond. But I want to let you know if Beyond has impacted or influenced your life in any way, the words of James have impacted your life. Because when, when, uh, when our team launched Beyond four years ago, this was one of the verses that we said wanted, we wanted to be characterized by. Because we said realistically, we want to be a church that doesn't build barriers, we want to break them down. We want to make it as easy as possible for someone to meet Jesus in this place. We want to create environments that are not just on a Sunday night, not just on a Sunday morning, where it is as easy as possible for all the obstacles to be, uh, to be removed for someone meeting and jumping into a relationship with Jesus. And so, as we move forward into season three, it doesn't take uh, a rocket scientist to guess that our season three goal is we want to break down some barriers. From now, from next Sunday until the end of the year, that's what our focus is. We want to break down barriers. And we kind of um, have, well, we've got a few things, but one of the ways that we wanted to kind of help you remember is, uh, well, someone texted me during this service, I better clear that, is that uh, I, I got, the, I got it, the early one, I got the screensaver. You can jump onto our Facebook page. I'm not sure if it's up on Instagram. It, it probably will be soon, but you can jump across to our Facebook page and you can save this. We actually got um, James's words as a screensaver for you so that you can put it on your phone. So for the next three months, every time you pick up your phone, you'll be reminded, right, okay, that's what we're here. We're breaking down barriers for the next three months. And, uh, and we've got some um, ways that we're going to do that. I'm going to spend a whole lot of time talking about them tonight. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about them over the coming months. But the, the three ways that we want to break down barriers in this next season is we want to align our environments because one of the things that we've recognized is that as we've grown, as we've added more services, as we've got more people serving on teams, um, it's actually more difficult for people to get connected. It's actually more difficult for people to kind of figure out where's my next step? How do I jump on a team? How do I lead? Like, wh where do I go from here? And so we want to spend some time like aligning that and tidying that up. Um, we have Be Rich. This is one of my favorite times of the year where we, um, we do a whole series where we just raise money for a number of local uh, organizations who are doing great work in the community. Um, and we don't tell them that we're gonna give money to them, we just kind of give them a phone call and say, hey, uh, we're just a community who wanted to uh, bless you and we uh, wanted to practice being rich and we reckon that the church should break down some barriers and so here's some money. So we're gonna do that again uh, in 2019. We've got a whole lot of ways that we're gonna make this the biggest and best be rich that we've ever done. And then Christmas in 2019 is gonna be wild, okay? On the, um, on the oval behind us, well, one of the ways we're going to do it, we're partnering with Griffin State School on the Griffin Christmas Carnival. Um, so on the oval behind us, there are going to be over 5,000 people coming on one Sunday, uh, sorry, Saturday. Um, and we've, we're going to um, help them with the setup, with the pack down. We've got some MCs we're providing. Um, we've even been given a, a spot on one of the mini stages. Um, so we're going to be leveraging that and breaking down some barriers in our community. And then we've got our Christmas experiences um, coming up and we'll have more information around that as well because Christmas is a time where people who are unchurched come to church. We want to break down some barriers for them um, around, that, around that time of the year as well. But um, here's how you can get involved. 
right? Because because all this stuff is great, but the reality is just as we did season two together, we need to do season three together. And we need to look at, at, um, hey, what does that mean for you here tonight? And so really the four Monday that I wanted to challenge you with for season three is this. Invite and invest. Invite and invest. Invite and invest. Think about all the opportunities that you have to invite someone, whether it's to an experience like this, whether it's to the Griffin Christmas Carnival, whether it's to a Christmas experience, whether it's um, to a connect group, whether it's to serve at Be Rich. There are so many opportunities to invite people and to break down some barriers and be a part of what we're doing. And in fact, the number one reason that people under 60 in Australia meet Jesus is because of this, a personal conversation. Not because they come to an experience like this, not because they hear an awesome band, not because someone with a microphone tells them about Jesus, but because of a personal conversation with someone they know. So start inviting, start having those conversations and turn those conversations into invitations. And then the second way is just to invest. Maybe you've been coming here for a while at Beyond and you're kind of like, you know, you would say, yeah, hey, I love Beyond. Beyond is my home. This is my place. But you're not invested in any way. You just come and you just consume, consume, consume. And it's great. We love that you're here. We love that you're a part of it. But we want more for you than that. We want you to be a part of what we're doing because we believe that faith truly comes alive when you actually put some skin in the game when you actually invest, when you actually step into the story that God has for your life. And I get it, right? At this point in the message, because it's what I would do if I was in your shoes, there are some of you who kind of kind of be there like, oh, this is another one of those, right? It was all good and breaking down barriers. And then he just started talking about inviting and investing, inviting and investing. This is another one of those church messages where it's like, get more people to church, jump on a team. And I just want to challenge you. I just want you to think of this Who we break down barriers for shows who we care for. Think about that. Who you extend an invitation to or who you don't extend invitations to, it says something about who you care for. What you're invested in or what you're not invested in, it actually says something about what you care for. And you might be like, geez, Chris, like that's a bit in my face. Yes, it's meant to be in your face if you're a Jesus follower. And the reason why I want this to be in your face and I want you to leave here with this challenge is because who we break down barriers for shows the world who God cares for. This is such a big deal, particularly for us here at Beyond. Because if we're not inviting and we're not investing, essentially what we communicate to the rest of the world is, God doesn't really care that much about you. God's not really that interested in you. What we've got, we like it, but we don't think it's world-changing enough to bring you into it. And the reality is, for those of us who know Jesus, it should be the exact opposite. Because for those of us who know Jesus, we know that we follow a God who hung on a cross for the opportunity to know you. We follow a God who stepped down off his throne for an opportunity to know you. We follow a God who plunged his hands into the depths of the world's sin 
just so he could know you. And we want other people to experience that God as well. So as we step out and we prepare for season three, who have you broken down barriers for lately? It's a great opportunity to remember all the barriers that God broke down for you and to begin to break down those barriers for other people and to know that you're not doing it alone, that there are other people in this community together breaking down barriers alongside you. There are other people inviting. There are other people investing. There is an entire community of people that care about our world's eternal destiny. So this season, let's take the plunge together. Let's invite, let's invest, and let's smash down every single barrier that stands between someone and meeting Jesus. I'd love to pray for us all. Jesus, we, we thank you that there was no barrier that you wouldn't break down for us. That there was nothing that you were going to let stand in the way of us knowing you. Yet sometimes, if we're honest, life gets in the way. We get distracted and we get comfortable. And that's okay because you forgive us. But we also need to be reminded that if we're your followers, if we're your local church, that what we really, the reason that we really do exist is to break down barriers, to lead people to know you. And so, Lord, I pray that in between now and the end of the year, that what would characterize our community, that what would characterize our PM experience, our AM experience, our connect groups, our, um, our junior youth, our senior youth, our Beyond kids, what would characterize everything we do here at Beyond is that we would be a place that breaks down barriers and makes it as easy as possible for people to meet Jesus. And we pray these things in your son's name. Amen.